Just as a reminder, you can visit us at thepandapod.com. That's thepandapod.com to grab our RSS feed, listen directly, and share PandaPod with your family and friends. You can also reach us directly via email through podcast at thepandapod.com. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Panda Pod. I am Jeff and I am joined by my co-hosts, Jacob. Hey there. And Wiggy. What's up, friends? And uh, today we're in our second episode of season two and we're going to be catching up on some of our old favorites. Uh, we're going to be talking a bit about AI and about aliens and about anything else we feel like talking about because it's our show and we do what we want. Um, hell yeah, I don't play by your rules, listeners. Yeah, you don't control us. <laughs> I don't even play by the rules that Jeff just said. So <laughs> he's going to talk about everything but AI and aliens today. Yep. Just you wait. Fuck it. Hey guys, this is Jacob, and uh, I'm doing World War II Part Two today. Yeah, it's going to be a real interesting episode. <laughs> We're going to have three totally separate conversations. Yes, I love it. Okay, well, let's start out with AI because uh, I don't, I don't know that I have as much to say about AI. But I mean, it has been a really crazy couple of months in AI since we last talked about it. Right. Um, so, well, yes. Why don't we put it in some context? When when did we last talk about it? Ooh, that's a really good question. I need to pull up our website and see when our last AI episode was. It should have been probably around July or June. Yeah, yeah. It's been since July 8th. Wow. Okay, that's so we might have talked about it in June. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, the amount of time since then is like, I mean, when, six months before that was like ChatGPT 3, not even 3.5. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The explosion since then has just been insane. I mean, let's just start out by talking about OpenAI and, and ChatGPT. Um, in the last, I guess it's six months now. Um, what uh, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, was ceremoniously dismissed by the board and then the employees rioted and demanded that he come back. And a week later he was back on board and half the board was gone. Yeah. So let me, let me talk on this for a minute. Okay. So, so what, so yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened, but there's some, there's a little bit of nuance to it. So what, so he was ousted by the board, right? Then Microsoft, ceremoniously hired him to head their own division right <laughs> their, their own division basically saying and then, if they don't have him they don't want to continue with open ai right and okay. then and then microsoft went and said we want as as you know the main investor we want a whole new board so well <laughs> even before then microsoft said before they decided they were going to try to keep going on with OpenAI, they're like, "Hey, we're just going to hire on everyone who wants to leave OpenAI. Come on over. We got your CEO. You know, it'll be just like nothing ever changed over here at good old Microsoft." 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and then they don't have to buy a company. Right. Like <laughs> I imagine that there was like antitrust or something kind of concerns with that. Oh, for that sure. probably is the reason why they went back with the open AI thing instead of trying to envelop it under, you know, all of the, the Bing platform. But well, I mean, obviously, I mean, it telegraphs what they intend to do, which is they, they want that to be part of Microsoft, um, you know, but uh, it's like they, maybe they're just I mean, it's probably easier to delay it. Right. I mean, even if it's even if it's um, it's, if it's legal for them to buy open AI. Um, it's probably, uh, it probably helps a lot of people if they have a good relationship now to just put that off a little further. Well, it definitely makes AI seem more friendly to keep being under a nonprofit organization. That but they're not helps. actually a nonprofit anymore. Aren't they? Did they change? Yeah, that's the whole reason why Musk was pissed off was because it started as a nonprofit and they went and went profit with it. That's when Microsoft stepped in. So the board changing was um, was related to it was investors as well. I'm I'm not showing anywhere where they said they're no longer a a nonprofit. Yeah, they haven't been a nonprofit for a I'm while. I'm showing that the, what I'm showing here is at least as of November two thousand or 2023, they were still a nonprofit. I mean, maybe well, they're making steps towards that. I mean, I know that was allegedly a concern of at least a couple of the board members, especially like the um, like ethicists or whatever that are on the board, like the AI ethicists. Is that the right word? Ethicist? Yeah. Okay. Just sounds weird. Doesn't feel right on the tongue. But um, was that like... <sighs> I mean, okay, so okay, so 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 yes, yes, and so yes and no, yes. So I'll walk it back. They are still technically a nonprofit, however, um, because of the fact that they are putting profits, like they're essentially putting profits, putting profit above everything else as far as priority. So oh, okay, I see. So they're actually they are not like OpenAI Inc. is a nonprofit, but OpenAI Global is a subsidiary that is a for-profit under OpenAI Inc. That's correct. The nonprofit owns the for-profit company, which is strange. And there's okay. also yeah. a, there's also a cap um, on how much you can get uh, out of investments into the profit company. As okay. in, like, the not-for-profit company has essentially a part of its ownership structure is that anybody else who invests, there's a limit on how many prof how much profits they can make back. Gotcha. Okay. Well, a a another alleged reason uh, that this whole thing went down was the Q-Star thing. Do you guys... Have you guys heard anything about that? Yeah, I understand that it's a... Um, a powerful like theory that they've come up with basically mm -hmm. um and that it's uh it's possible that like some people were arguing about um whether or not it should reach the public or how it should reach the public and that kind of thing is that yeah. kind of a good summary yeah that's what i've heard as well it sounds like it's a like a new methodology or um 
boy, methodology doesn't sound like the right word either. Yeah, yeah, a new a new style of algorithm that's just more efficient than the the current large language models. Right. So, and, and the concern is that it, it seems to be much more efficient at um, well doing things that humans do. You know, the concern is that it, it, I don't think anybody's actually concerned that it's AGI, that it's artificial general intelligence sure. yet, but that it's so that good. is the rumor. That is well, the rumor. I know there is a rumor of that, but I I just don't know that we're there yet. It'll be really crazy if we are. But at the very least, they're saying that this thing's powerful enough to to put a lot of people out of jobs, you know, uh, and that sure. I think that's the concern. I think also the concern is how Sam Altman wants to release it. Um, and this goes on to another thing I want to talk about, which is the inshitification of AI, um, the intentional dumbing down of, you know, what the general public has access to um, and the bolstering of the API, like back end uh, capabilities of the AI tools that are available. Um, it really kind of limits what the public is able to do for it with it and seems to be putting an emphasis on making uh, making the tools available to organizations and companies, you know, that can make a profit off of it, you know, as opposed to enabling and, you know, um, giving the everyday average Joe like, like us access to it. Right. I mean, um, my, my, my thoughts on that are, I don't I don't know whether or not it's it's twofold, but also there's a limit at which we adjust to new technology like everything's staggered, right? Like companies have access to technologies that we are that are far above where they are when they're first like released to the public. And we can take cell phones as an example of that. I think that they definitely had the ability to create better versions of them when the first ones were already released. And so we have this staggered release of technology so that we have time to adapt to it. Right. But I think this is a little bit different in that we were given access to a really good full product and then it was taken away and dumbed down. You know, we, we've seen the capabilities of like, let's let's say Dolly, for instance, within ChatGPT, the, the new Dolly version, uh, when it was first released, it was far more robust than it is now. Uh, it would produce four images at a time and allow you to, you know, edit those images and like reference those images and set bookmarks those images if you wanted to and i mean now you're you get one if you're lucky if it doesn't tell you that it's you know too busy or it simply can't do what you want it to do um you know it, it's just been really dumbed down to the general public whereas again on the back end and the api side companies who have access to you know the, the um you know, those API tools are able to do all those things that we were able to do before. You know, yeah. it would be like if the, you know, current gen iPhone came out before the, um, you know, iPod, you know, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're taking that back. Here's an iPod, though. Uh, 
<laughs> like, hold on a second. Know, then we know Apple has alien technology. I can't watch porn on this iPod. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, there are there are the limiters, and it's it's kind of. For people who are experimenting and trying just to see what it can do and what it can't do and what its limits are, like, that's that's really locked down. And, like, I remember when 3.5 came out, because that's really when I started messing around with it more. Like, it, the I was underwhelmed. And... The reason wasn't because I don't think it could do what I was asking it to do. I think, like you're saying, I think we just got a a tampered with version. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the idea that they're doing that um, just because they don't want, like, lawsuits and stuff? Because, I mean, for instance, when, when, when ChatGPT, like, literally first came out, in some ways, like that's the most powerful version the, the public has ever had, like without at least paying for um, for their public license. You mean when like ChatGPT three came out? Yeah, when three came out. I mean, when when it was comp- when it, like when it first came out, and it would it would generate like unfiltered whatever. I mean, right, right. Like, I'm not saying that that necess- I mean, obviously, like the responses are a little better now. It's not like I'm not trying to say it, it is is actually um, worse than it is then, but like 3.5 is actually worse. But I mean, like it, it feels like it, at least partially that, that they put a layer of filter in front of it yeah. in order to avoid getting sued um, or like ruining certain economies, like you know, um, even even economies that aren't official, like um, like college papers, you know, that kind of sure. stuff. Sure. I mean, obviously, the cat's out of the bag on that one. Right. And I know I've mentioned this before, but this is why I'm so excited to get my hands on, you know, like a a, a version of ChatGPT on my computer, like a, an unfiltered right AI. You know, I think that I think once we all have that, things will be very different. I don't think that's at that far off either. I mean, you can already do it. Sure. You know, uh, well, who was it? Facebook or Meta or whatever released. Yeah, Meta uh, Llama, I think it was. And that was even before I that might have been before 3.5, or that was probably around the same time we released our episode. Um yeah. yeah. Uh and and they yeah, so Llama was leaked and then a bunch of stuff was built off of that. Um if you have a strong enough GPU, you could definitely run it. I mean, I think people what people are mostly doing is um is using like Amazon's compute clusters and like purchasing computing power from Amazon to run yeah. their own chat GPT setup, basically. Right. So, so I heard that Llama, the reason why uh, it's it's been kind of controversial is because it because it's open source and it it it's advanced enough to where it can bypass the guards of other version of other large language models and um guards that like OpenAI puts on chat gpt um so it's essentially able to unlock more advanced versions of ai 
than it is of itself. Right. Well, yeah, it's that's one thing that's interesting that's happened recently that it that people are doing that. They're jailbreaking AI with other AI. Yeah. Um, asking chat. I mean, if you jailbreak chat GPT successfully, then you can ask it like, hey, uh, what do you think is the prompt that will jailbreak you next? Like after the next version comes out. <laughs> I mean, and obviously it may not be 100% accurate about that. But, um, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I mean, I think it, it's, it's, it's a very interesting feedback loop that's been created. Yeah, agreed. I want to say real quick, my wife hates all AI. Absolutely hates it. Like ever since, her. ever since, ever since I, I like as a joke, this was not a serious thing, but as a joke, I asked it like, Hey, write me a, uh, like a, a, write me a Facebook status that just talks about about how important and how much I love my wife, right? And I went, I went and shared that with her, and that was her break moment. She was like, "Nope, I do not like AI anymore. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no way." <laughs> and and it's 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 funny but there's also it leads to wild concerns like i understand why they'd want to put specific filters and things on the ai ai and make sure that it's not i um <laughs> and make sure that you know, it, it can't be abused, but at the same time, as somebody who really values their own time and freedom and and really wants to be curious, it really puts a damper on like opportunities for people because there's a lot of ideas and things that I want to use AI for that I just can't because I, I know the functionality exists. I know that it can learn to do things, but I, I don't have access to that. And that really sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So like, I guess the, the moral of the story is let's get llama and try to hack into GPT four. I guess that's what we need to do, right? <laughs> yeah, I've actually I've installed llama and a couple of the other like open source LLMs, um, and unfortunately my PC is just not good enough to do it. Like it, like I can generate a prompt, but it takes hours. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, I I was able to run llama or one some version of llama. Um, that was uh, it was like I mean. It was probably twice or three times as slow as Chat GPT. So Oh, it's not so bad. My PC just sucks. Actually, I think when I was doing that, I might have been working off of a laptop at the time, so that doesn't ah. make a lot of sense actually. Maybe I should try that again now that I have my actual PC up and running. Just don't fry your graphics card. True. It's alright. Wiggy will buy me another one. It's fine. <laughs> no. No more. No <laughs> more <laughs> graphics cards. So I'm going to kind of segue into the next thing that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to do that by talking about Jacques Filet because Jacques Filet just released a article, an opinion piece in, um, I can't remember. I can't remember the magazine, but he just released a, a, a who, who that is. 
Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting into that. So Jacques Vallée was a uh, computer scientist or is a computer scientist um, who was a part of the early um, development of the internet and also some early AI. Um, it, some of the, you know, uh, algorithms and, you know, architecture that he built is what the internet is built on today. Um, and he was a pioneer really in, in the AI research he was doing and the way he was using AI. And this is back in like the sixties and seventies. Um, he was also tasked, um, by a, I want to say a professor he was working with, uh, to figure out a way to use AI to, uh, find anomalous things in the sky. Um, and I may be butchering that story, but essentially he got roped into studying, um, UAP and UFOs. Okay. Uh, and that became a, a passion for him. Uh, and he ended up, you know, using his knowledge of, of artificial intelligence to uh, improve research being done on, uh, you know, alien technology or NHI technology, UAPs, what have you. Um, and, you know, today he is a proponent of disclosure and he also has a lot of very interesting ideas on what, uh, you know, these UAPs and NHIs are and how it may relate to AI. Um, in the article he released recently, he didn't directly draw comparisons to, you know, the non-human intelligences and artificial intelligence, but he certainly brought them both up in the same article and made some comparisons between the two situations. Uh, but, um, you know, he talks specifically about uh, Q-Star, which is that open AI next gen um, artificial intelligence we were talking about earlier uh, and how, you know, the government needs to figure out a way to, um, I don't know, you know, get that out to the public in a safe way, in a way that, that, that won't do, you know, economic harm. Um, and he was also talking about how we need to, uh, do the whole big disclosure thing and how he, he gave some really interesting points about how, you know, it's, it's, it would have been a lot simpler to do it in the forties when we first started looking into these UAPs. And then there was another opportunity in the seventies, but politics were too wonky and nobody wanted to risk it. And now we are where we are now where, you know, these, these tools that we, that, that we have these artificial intelligence and these computers and, and these advanced, you know, satellites and telescopes, um, we're getting to a point now that, you know, something that I don't know if he calls it catastrophic disclosure, but that's a term that's being thrown around is this idea that, you know, we're going to just as a general public discover what the fuck's going on. If the government doesn't come out and tell us because it's just reaching a boiling point where that's going to happen. Sure. Um, so, I mean, that kind of goes into our conversation about aliens then, um, I think uh, I asked you guys to look into Jacques Vallée. I don't know if you guys did. What, what did you guys find and, and what are your takeaways about what he has to say? I didn't look into him all that much, to be honest with you. That's valid. That's okay. Yeah, I didn't either. So all right. continue so, on your way. Okay. <laughs> so, um, 
he is very much in the camp of these artificial intelligences are, or sorry, these uh, non-human intelligences are interdimensional or extra dimensional um, beings. Uh, there's a term thrown around often when people are talking about Jacques Vallée's ideas, which is this like, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Like ultra terrestrial, I think is the term. Yeah. Ultra terrestrial. Okay. Um, which is this idea that, you know, these beings have been here on earth with us this whole time, uh, that they exist on a different, uh, either, you know, visual spectrum or, uh, a different dimension or, you know, who knows, but that we have the ability to interact with them and that these are, these non-human intelligences are what we would have in the past described as like demons or angels or fae or cryptids of different kinds. You know, these have all been the same phenomena that humans have been recognizing throughout history is just it changed, you know, what we see and how we interpret it changes via the context of the time. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I am sitting on it. Like I've been doing way too much research into, it. I have too much spare time and I just can't stop looking at this stuff. And that I think is what I think is happening here is that we are experiencing vision. You know, we're seeing things that we can't explain and our brain is interpreting it as, okay, this must be a flying saucer. Right. Well, I mean, ultimately, when when we experience anything, um, our brain has to like fill in some details. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, um, like an image uh, transmitted on a computer screen, like we can be pretty sure that looks roughly the same to everybody. But, um, you know, a being of pure energy like what would that look like would your brain would certain sensors in your brain even be overloaded to the point where they feel like they must fake what that is like how that looks to you so that you can like even envision it right yeah your brain has to reckon it somehow so it has to apply something that your brain understands you know yeah our, our evolutionary evolutionarily we have been you know, training our brains to do deduction and, and to come up to, you know, logical conclusions. Um, but I mean, this very well may just be a situation where what we're seeing isn't logical, you know, or sure. as far as what we understand as logic, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's also, obviously it's also possible like that if these were beings and they even exist like in our, like we don't know for a fact that they necessarily exist in our dimension, which means that they might exist outside of time. Um, and I mean, a being like that it would, it should be powerful enough. And it's like to control what it looks like in 3d. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and it, there's also the possibility that they simply don't care what we see of them, you know, that you know what we're seeing is like the sh the 3d shadow of their you know fourth dimensional bodies or fifth dimensional bodies whatever they may be you know what we're seeing is just you know the shadow of what they are um and I don't, do you have you guys looked into at all like what 
you know, 40 objects look like and what their shadows look like in our, our world? Well, I mean, you can kind of like think about it with the analogy of what happens when you're looking at something in uh, 3D versus 2D, right? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's about that's about really the best you can do, kind of. I mean, like maybe there's maybe people have made some visuals that help. Um, right. There's actually a really cool uh, tool on Steam called um, 4D Toy Chest, I think. Okay. Um, which gives you a bunch of 4D objects to play around with, and you can see what they would appear like in the 3D world. Interesting. Um, yeah, and it's really cool. Like I was playing, I was watching a video of somebody playing around with it, and um, I don't know. It really helped things click in my head uh, as far as the, the 4D thing. That and like um, going back to the old Cosmos episode where Carl Sagan explains the 4D thing. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that. It's really good if you haven't. Um, you know, just no. the idea that. Um, I mean, what he does is he shows we 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 can physically build what the three D shadow of a like tesseract would be, you know. Right. Um, so and we may not be able to see the full tesseract, but this is what it would look like if it was in front of us in our dimension. Um, right. And the four D toy box does the same thing with a bunch of different shapes. Sure. Uh, and it's it's really cool. It's really interesting. So. How do we know what the 4D shape is if we can't see it, though? Um, I don't know. Go watch that Carl Sagan video. He does a good job explaining it much better than I could. <laughs> like a, a cube, uh, like, like, like a, a Tesseract or a 4D hypercube would be a cube that extends at uh, 45 degrees from each of its its points, you know? Uh, there's no 3D space for that to happen, so we can't create it but we can you know again imagine what the shadow of that object would look like uh and if you look at those things if you look at um like the 4d toy box for instance you'll you'll notice that as you like move the 4d object around what you see in the 3d world um may make some sense but for the most part it just seems so illogical it just seems like uh, like just mass changing shape. Um, right. And when you look at some of these, you know, UFO or UAP videos, um, that's what a lot of these things look like. You know, they're just kind of these bright shapeless objects that are, are, are wiggling about and, you know, don't seem to have a solid form. And yeah, that clicked for me when I was looking at the 4d toy box stuff. Um, it just, it looks so much like what those objects look like when you see the video of them just kind of morphing in the air. It looks like something moving through our plane that shouldn't be there. Right. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, too, um, with, uh, like, the way they can seemingly disappear or move extremely rapidly all of a sudden. Um, because, I mean, that could be another piece. Like, if it's a... If, I mean, if you imagine a star... What a star would look like as it passed through a 2D plane. I mean, you would see the points of it coming through the 2D plane at different times, right? Right. Um, so it looked like different objects. Yeah. Exactly. So it could look mm -hmm. like an object teleporting, or um, or it could look. I mean, you would you would kind of see the same thing teleport in a way, um, and uh, especially been moving quite quickly. Um, so 
you know, I mean, I, I could, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. That does explain, I feel like, um, like if, if, if it's a vehicle, maybe it's a vehicle, maybe it's not, but um, uh, like the points or edges or something like that of a 4D object or more um, could, uh, could definitely explain like how a UFO moves. Right, right. Yeah, and that's another thing that I think Jacques Vallée might have actually mentioned in the article, but it may have been in another video I was watching. Uh, the idea that a, and you mentioned this, Jacob, the idea that a, a 4D or extra dimensional being wouldn't necessarily function in in time, um, right. and they would experience space much differently. Um, so while it is possible that if, if this is the case that they are, you know, interdimensional or extra dimensional, um, they wouldn't necessarily have to have been from earth the whole time because, you know, the distance between stars in a four or five dimensional plane could be arbitrary. You right. know, they, they could have come from anywhere. Sure. Yeah. So, so when I think about, the the objects that move incredibly fast right mm -hmm. or move in ways that our stuff can't i think about them using folded space time right um because this is one of the things that that as people we can imagine that how this might work based on the information that we have available to us, right? You essentially fold the time that you're in the, like this, the physical space that you're in. And when you unfold that space, you can be in a different place than when you started physically. Right. Right. So, so what I imagine happens is when that process occurs, I don't think it's necessarily instantaneous. I feel like there's probably some sort of extremely short lag time. Because we haven't been able to see anything that has ever been completely instant. Like instantaneous is something that we can't actually imagine. Right. And so what I imagine is happening is that there's a, there is actually a slow lag time in what they're doing, but it's so, but it, it's, it's just at this place where we're seeing like, not the mirage, not a mirage, not a mirror image, but we're seeing like a phantom of the movement. Well, if, if that you, makes sense, if you try to walk in a 2D space, I mean, it's literally impossible for a 3D object to move in 2D, but like your best approximation would be to just walk in one direction uh, in a straight line, but you would still stray off of that straight line and you would still kind of like accidentally. Um, end up in like appearing in a way that you don't necessarily want to, to it, it, from a two-dimensional perspective you know? mm -hmm. yeah and if we're talking about shadows right like like that's what we're seeing we're seeing the 
the near instantaneous bend movement. Like, that's what makes sense to me in my head. I'm not a scientist. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, well, at this point, you're just as likely to be right as anybody else. You sure. Know? I mean, right. really knows. It's all worth speculating in my point. So I, yeah, and, yeah. That, and that like that's my speculation on the move issue, on the moving problem, is that there is something, and it moves this way. And because it moves this way, it looks... It, we're we're able to see things on the edge of our our on the edge of our perception like we're not actually seeing anything we're just seeing the edge of it yeah i i see that for movement but the reason why i'm saying this is i i i can understand that with movement but i don't understand that with the physical object itself. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just maybe impossible for us to even comprehend. Sure. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there smarter than us who, who can. There's <laughs> definitely people out there smarter than us. Well, sure. Yeah. I, I wonder if, um, if it's possible that, um, some people have solved how to communicate with these beings mm-hmm. and that, in doing so, it almost, um, even if it's even if that's not your intention to do so, removes your ability to explain what this is to other people. Like in the mm. sense that if you let's say that you did get a team of top, like a crack team of the top twenty scientists to who actually had expertise on this um, to work together, like and like your findings might I, I'm, I guess maybe like the process of communicating with them or something like that might um, not necessarily drive you insane but like move you to a fourth dimensional perspective that's interesting I, I like that term fourth dimensional perspective I like that a lot I, I have a counter argument to that and that is so we know we know that um, everything has been compartmentalized, right? Like we've been right. using that we went over this, we've gone over this before, where like especially with the government, they've been using the nuclear protocol protocols to hide information about extraterrestrial sure, whatever. And so there's a cover up of something. Right. So that being said, then we know that that's how they operate. There's no way you get a crack team together because the entire, the entire thought behind it is that not everybody knows the whole piece. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, But I guess guess if, if maybe if somebody, if somebody did solve, I mean, because even though nobody knows the whole picture of the nuclear bomb, like somebody can still launch those things. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, it seems like if if the government's doing research into it, there's got to be somebody who's got who's in front of the like behind the keyboard typing something like, let's say, I mean, assuming that they can contact them. I mean, that 
that may be a totally baseless assumption. I don't yeah, think you so. Don't know what, you don't know I, what the fuck you're talking about, Brad. No, I, I think I, that there are. I think there are definitely people in contact with them. I feel like, I feel like Grush in particular has has said as much. The idea that that there are people who know the whole story and and they're just like, it seems like they're terrified to 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 talk about it, you know. Um, and Tucker Carlson, Carlson has been on this kick too. This, you know, he he claims to have some kind of knowledge of what's going on, or or at least a gut feeling on it that um, whatever this is, it's it's you know terrifying in nature. Um, and you know, and that goes into the whole like spiritual component about it. Like, there's a lot of like religion talk going on right now about these things. Um, which really is what put me down that road of, of coming to the conclusion that, you know, these things are, are just what we've always associated with demons and angels. You know, I'm, I'm full on Anunnaki. I'm full no. on. Like, okay. Like, like you're saying, that, but that, but does that mean that they're three dimensional beings that exist somewhere else and have traveled here, like through three dimensional space? Right. The Anunnaki idea is that we're like experiments of other angels, right? Or not angels, aliens. Yeah, and there's 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 correlations between religion, religious texts, and you know the idea of you know living extreme amounts of time, um, which is noted, which is noted for so many different, like, like. Like example, like Moses, he was like sure. fucking two thousand years old or some shit like that, right? Like, well, yeah, and... the Bible lived to be about nine hundred, and he's the oldest person. Um, I mean, if you would take the Bible's word literally, right, right, and and that's actually there's there's other beings and things like that that have been talked about in other religious texts as well. Sure, and there's. And I'm gonna call this a conspiracy because I don't, I don't know the, I can't talk about the ins and outs of it because it's been a while since I I looked into it. But there's there's supposedly a lineage of people who have this these like cone shaped heads and the genetics spread from egypt into europe and there was like like members of royal families and entire royal families that had like the same like shaped head as like the pictures of of what they call the anunnaki and like if we also assume or take on the thought process that we were genetically modified right in order to serve some purpose or just as a a fucking funny experiment or what have you it it makes sense that there would be some controlling factor in it for a while and there's no saying that like those people or that race or whatever you may say could still be here sure and sure. they're just hidden well right 
I mean, you could go fit down 50 other rabbit holes at this point and say that, you know, that's what the new world order is and all that kinds of crazy bullshit. But like you can extrapolate from there. I, 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 I believe it like hands down. And it's because of what you, what Jeff said before about like seeing angels or demons or seeing Fay or something else. Like it makes sense that we just have interpreted that as a religious symbol because right. in the early, because in early mankind, we do know that like superstition and word of mouth as storytelling was how we did our history. And if you don't know a way to accurately explain something, you're going to do your best. Sure. But the phone game still happens. Well, and, and it's it seems like um, also that, that how it's described to you will influence how you'll see it. Sure, yeah. Um, like, I mean, that seems like an indisputable fact of reality. Like, at least on some level, how, how you hear and process things for the first time, like if you're hearing about it in advance, will affect how you see it for the first time. Yeah. So if it's always been called a fairy and you've been told those are real and you see something weird, you're going to see a fairy. Right. You're going to assume it's a fairy. You're right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And it may even look like a fairy, like a described fairy to you because that's what your brain's doing to reckon what is in front of you. Yeah. Sure. Right. I mean, if it was seeing something made out of pure energy or some other frequency that doesn't know how to process, but it, it knows it must render something there because there is something there. Right. Um, you know, then it's going to look like something weird that you had explained to you in the past. Um, and and that's, you know, I mean, if it's vending something whole cloth anyways, picture to put there. Um, I mean, every cool. Yeah. Every time I see you rap, I, I see a Cyclops. So. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about the Jellyfish UAP real quick. Have you guys seen it yet? No, but I did see you post the link. So, do we want to start it all at the same time? You, yeah, you, wa yeah. you watch it. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead yeah, we've already it. seen it. Um, oh, okay. So, Jeremy Corbell is a, I don't know, I guess a journalist. I, that's a really loose term to use for him, but he's a dude interested in, in UAPs who's out there working with George Knapp, who's a journalist out of Las Vegas, who was like kind of the pioneer behind the whole like, um alien disclosure thing in the like late 70s and, and 80s um talking about you know area 51 and interviewing like john lear and things like that um but they're working together now f to push towards disclosure uh, if you listen to what they say that they were a major influence in the whole you know um uh, uh government um interview thing with grush and all that the congressional hearing um they they were there for that as well um but they just recently released a, a three-part uh mini series on tmz which of course makes it totally believable but um and in this series in the first episode they released this uh never before released um leaked video of what they're calling a jellyfish uap uh and it kind of looks like a jellyfish kind of in the sense that it's got like appendages or what appear to be appendages dangling underneath it um 
uh, as well as you know some kind of like form above those appendages uh but it's very fuzzy of course um and uh, the video itself was shot in iraq uh by the u.s government um and what's shown uh is thermal imaging of an object moving um across a a cityscape um and you know from what i've heard or, or what's been released by you know jeremy corbell and all of them uh this object was not visible outside of the um heat spectrum uh there were people trying to spot it on the ground who couldn't see it uh but what it did was move across the city and then move over a lake, hover over the lake, descend into the lake, and then uh, come back out of the lake and shoot off in a 45 degree angle. Um, the descent into the lake and the shooting off into a 45 degree angle, we don't see in the video. I don't know why. I mean, maybe that part wasn't actually sent to Corbell or maybe they're holding off or maybe they're just making it up. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, this is what we have. And I think it's really interesting. Um, there was talk that it could be like a bug splat or, you know, bird shit on the plastic housing around the camera. Um, but I feel like that's been pretty well debunked, uh, just because of the way it moves around on the screen. Um, and you know, the shifting of the, um, the color spectrum as it moves along, uh, but I mean, yeah, it certainly could be that. Um, but as far as like the descending into the water and then, you know, shooting up in the air, um, I guess until we actually see that, who knows whether it's real, but if that is the case, that isn't really something a bug splat on a housing would do, you know? Sure. Yeah. I just watched the video. It looks crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen some like enhanced pictures of it. Uh, but you know, that's AI enhanced and it's just, it's trying to do what our brain's doing and reckon what's in front of sure. it, you know? So it's hard to say how accurate those are, but, um, all of them really kind of point to like a, uh, a being of some kind writing what looks like a mech suit essentially, um, hmm. just kind of floating along there. Very, very spooky. Um, and there's been other videos, uh, particularly in, you know, South America and Central America of, you know, similar sightings. Um, yeah. To be real, all of those could just be wild Southern American balloons because they do balloons crazy down there. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, they're moving very strangely um, sure. and in very similar ways to what happens in the jellyfish uh, video. Uh, where it just kind of is suspended in a position, rotating slightly and just hovering in a direction, um, which is spooky to me. You know, what is this thing doing and why can't we see it? Yes, it definitely looks inherently scary. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not like it, it honestly, when I saw this, I was I just I didn't I didn't have any context at all. So my first thought um was uh was that it was modern war machine like that the video i didn't realize the video was from some a little bit of time ago yeah um, so my first thought was that it was an actual like like just uh some kind of drone because i mean it, doesn't, it seems like it could be a drone 
yeah, it does kind of move in a, a droneish way. Although, again, that's that's um, you know temperature spectrum being shown, and if it is doing that, there's no propulsion that's shown. You right. Know, yeah. No that's heat true. being given off or or anything. It's just floating there. Right. But so I've got I've got a couple things on this. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested to hear this. Yeah. So I've got a couple things on this. Firstly. Um, the whole like well, this is this is this is what I notice on this. So I did I actually dug a little deeper, and there's actually another video that's in the comments of the video that you linked on YouTube. And it's a video of something that looks very similar to what this is, um, except it is visible. It's caught on a normal, like, camera. I guess it's, I guess the video is like some, like, 17 years old or something. Um, and... But it, but it is visible. It's completely visible. And when, when I look at these two objects, I think of two different things. So the first thing that I think of is when I'm looking at this specific video, it kind of looks like a 2D object that was made for a video game. That's a static image. Yeah, that's just kind of being moved across a screen. Um, like, so take, for example, like making what that looks like. So we only see the black and white in the video. So and, and you can easily change like the opaque and the colors of something to be especially of a static image. And turn it into and like add it to a video. Like, sure. so that's what I see. I see something like um, a 2D image of, and, and to your point of your point of like propulsion, right? They actually did this in early Star Wars movies, they had the floating drones. That were yeah, it does look uh, a whole lot like a like imperial drone. Yeah, and so yeah, so like I I I think that this one might be Fugazi. Like I, I think I think it's easy enough to do if somebody with the know how spent ten hours doing it. Well, but the thing is, there have been interviews and people who were on the like military team while this was happening, have come out and said that, yeah, they saw this, that, I mean, they were there present for it. It's not like this is some video that is just been doctored and sent over. Yeah. But this comes, but this comes, but this comes down to the same problem that we have with, with all of the information that that's been given out so far. And that is everybody with a firsthand account hasn't either hasn't, or hasn't been allowed to say anything. Like, where's the video interviews of the people who actually say what they saw? Where's 
I mean, that's a little more tricky because like, this is like from 2017, and those people are probably still working. You know. Yeah, but, yeah, but even, but even but even still, yeah. like you know, so it's it's one of those things where where it's really hard to justify it completely. Like I'm I'm. I don't know if I'm hopeful about this one in particular because it is kind of creepy. Yeah. If you if you don't look at it as in the way that I'm explaining it, it does look extremely creepy. Yeah. I posted uh, another video of somebody who did a time lapse of it showing it rotate as it's moving. Yeah. And that that is what it says to me, okay, yeah, this is some sort of 3D object out there, you know. But Yeah, but you, you know. can spin 2D objects. Like you can add extra pixels. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. If it is yeah. doctored, yeah, that that's definitely the case. But yeah, and and no. to go so to go back to the older video, which which is caught on like an actual camera, mm -hmm. it's very the object itself kind of does like these either reflective lights or like flashlighty light bulb kind of um things on the edges of itself or when it's like supposedly like kind of turning or moving and the entire thing looks like giant pixels to me like even in that one that's that old it just kind of looks like big fat pixels put together. Yeah. I mean, it's like, good to have healthy, you know, skepticism for sure about <laughs> yeah. all of it. You know, I like mean, I, it, I certainly I mean, don't know what this thing is for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, either of us could be wrong. Like I could completely be wrong or I mean, more likely. They did it yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but that's what it seems like to me. And nobody else was saying that. But when I when I think about it and the way it's moving or it moves across the screen and the way it does stuff, it just seems very animatronic isn't even the word. Like not even early animatronics would would look like this. Like it, it's it just, maybe. Yeah, it's just kind of. I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to explain, but it yeah. definitely looks pixely or like 2d but at the but to your guys's earlier points it could be a 4d object and that's just sure. what i'm seeing yeah yeah that's so it's another thing i definitely think when i look at it is like this shape makes no sense to be moving like it is you know maybe it's another object moving along that this is all we can see of it you know yeah i mean so that definitely could be the thing too but yeah i'm, I'm calling sus well, That's the incentive is definitely there to fake UFO stuff, especially right now. For sure. Um, yeah. So it's it always not, has been. There's there's got to be um, fake information. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, we had the Miami Mall incident. You know. That? Um, on New Year's, there were like in dozens and dozens and dozens of cop cars that were called to a mall in Miami. Um, and, you know, at first they were saying it was for a uh, like shooting that was taking place or, and then they said that kids were shooting off fireworks 
Um, but a couple people that were at the mall came out and said that, no, actually it was aliens and they gave descriptions of them and some videos came out of them, but it turns out it was all just, you know, people making bullshit up, you know, sure. or allegedly, <laughs> maybe it's not, you know, maybe I've actually been fully psyoped here, but I mean, it, it seemed like it was just, you know, yeah, they, they also said be. that I also saw another uh, explanation that was it was just two girls having a fist fight. What? And there were like 30 cop cars there. There were so just many cop cars two and helicopters. Girls. And yeah, it's it was pretty wild. But I mean, oh. yeah, I mean, sensationalist things are, are going to be popping up all over the place. Well, that know? could be people faking that um, they saw aliens for attention that could also be people yeah um like who did see something and mm-hmm. uh and saw like gray aliens or what have you because they that's what the media is is focused on right now a little bit right um, it right. could also be people who were um pulling a prank to make people think they saw aliens i yeah. i think i think so i haven't seen or heard or any news or clips about the blue man group in quite a while. <laughs> and I think they're, I think they were kidnapped and they just didn't have sunlight for a while. And they're, and they're they blue, they're blue turned gray. Yeah. Okay. And so they were just released. They were, you know, they broke free of their, their constraints inside of the mall. <laughs> it was doing just, like an impromptu just... show at, at the mall. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just the blue man group. It just went totally awry. Well, I was in Orlando this past weekend where I saw Jacob. Thank you for coming down and visiting me. It was so nice to give you a hug and see you. Yes. Um, and on Sunday, I was dropping some people off at the Orlando airport and then driving back to where we were staying. And on the way to the airport, we were all talking about how, you know, we were kind of surprised we didn't see or, you know, somebody didn't say something about seeing an alien because, I mean, that's kind of our whole shtick. You know, aliens are what we kind of focus on. Um and we were like joking about it. And I was like, yeah, you know, ha ha ha, whatever. Well, I dropped them off and I'm driving back. And as I'm driving back, I'm looking up in the sky and I do recognize that I was obviously near an airport when this happened, you know, but I, I looked up in the sky and saw a bright light. Uh, that bright light stretched out into what looked kind of like a like wiggle worm or snake kind of shape. It jiggled in the air, collapsed in on itself, and then disappeared. Wow. Yeah. And it was so fantastic to see. Like, it was a very, like, shocking thing to see. But at the same time, I was like, this probably won't even be the most interesting thing that happens to me today. Because it feels, like, so common to see videos like that on online now. Like, I'm, I'm so saturated in it that I've seen objects similar to that on videos. I was just like, yep, I finally saw one. Time to go sure. on with my day. And I feel like that is the real, like, I think that's the real psyop that's going on right now is to make it so mundane that we just don't even care when we see it. So keep your eyes to the skies, people. That was just uh, uh, some god jizz. Yeah, it was just, um, you know, swamp gas. It was Florida. There's swamps, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. me. I was so, flying home. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Batmobile. <laughs> so, so that just reminded me of we need to have a another episode on um, 
on uh, shrooms and stuff. Oh, psychedelics? Um, yeah, and psychedelics and stuff. Yeah, because there's, there's some stuff that. that I want to, I want to, I want to get into there. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll add that to the docket. And if you understand the reference that I that I mentioned before, you'll know what what I want to talk about. Wait, which so, reference? Uh, Gadges. Oh, I don't know that reference, but I'm yeah. looking forward to hearing all about it on the yeah, next yeah. episode of the Panda Pod. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, thank you guys for for sitting here and talking to me about things that I am always so happy to gab on about. You know, these are my favorite things to talk about. So, well, this is this is a great topic. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we will see you next time, and thank you for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Guys.